Hello and welcome to another episode of Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game. I'm Harry and coming up on the episode, as usual, we'll have interviews, tournament tales and riddles in the dark later. Uh, This week we're focusing on the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. This is a tournament I'm going to this weekend which is uh, set in Sutton in Ashfield and it's a little bit different to a few of the recent tournaments I've been to in the sense that this is a tournament that is good versus evil only and you have to take two army lists to this tournament um, of course which which just adds that little bit of extra uh, well, a extra planning b extra painting uh, and c extra strategic uh, thoughts i suppose because you know that you're potentially going to face up against uh, different armies um, than you might normally because uh, i know at the moment there seems to be an awful lot of good armies doing the rounds so it'll be nice to have some thematic matchups uh, fingers crossed um, and make sure that we have some good versus evil uh, list so with that it's only right to actually have a look at some of these army lists that i'm going to be tackling so it's a 750 point tournament uh, which is uh, slightly unusual actually i I think Um, maybe i'm wrong um but a lot of the tournaments i've been going to have been 700 or or certainly on the 100 uh anyway uh, the last one that had a 50 i think was it was a while back now, which was uh, the start of the year in um, Cardiff, which was 450. Very unusual uh, points value, that one. But um, this one, 750 points, so good versus evil. So a good army and an evil army, all of 750 points. And as you may have heard in the uh, the tail end of the uh, episode four, which I was talking about theme and the Seven Stones tournament, um, I, was, I, I said I'm back on kind of at least vaguely competitive. I'm never really that competitive, I'll be honest. Um, but I at least try and make a list that... Um It'll, it'll do well, I hope. I, I, that's, the, that's the idea, anyway. But without sacrificing too much theme. So, as I said, back to normal this week, uh, rather than just the nine ring raids, um, I've got some uh, some interesting ideas. And also, I said last week, no more Sauron and no more Durin, uh, for now, anyway. They will make a reappearance, uh, I'm sure, because I love playing with Sauron and Durin in the Hearthguard. But uh, this time, I wanted to do something completely different. So, let's have a look at my good army list for this Master. tournament. Warrior, build me so the good army list I've gone with Minas Tirith now this was the first army that I ever painted um Certainly, certainly, when I came back into the hobby a few years ago, and I have a feeling I, I painted these um, initially got me into the hobby was Minas Tirith Warriors as well. Um, I love I just there's something about the design uh, of the, the the armor and the the sparkling armor. I just I love that. It's easy to paint. It's really quick to paint. Um, so I really like that army. So I, when the new edition came out uh, and they just had these little subtle Im- improvements, I was really keen to. Um, basically just keen to have a have a have another go with them and i remember the year before last uh well so sort of december 2017 i think it was i decided i knew exactly what i wanted to take to the throne of skulls in uh warhammer world last year which was three trebuchets and this was before the new rules came out um, so I, I was pretty keen on doing a thematic army. I, I took uh, Faramir and Denethor and Gandalf the White and Pippin and uh, Beragond and uh, and some trebuchets, three trebuchets. So I really like the trebuchets. I really, really wanted to take them again to this list. Uh, this uh, I really wanted to take them again to this um, tournament, but I decided I want to do something new, I want to paint something new for my army. And 
what could be fresher, what could be more exciting and what could be more essential to a, a Lord of the Rings fans collection than Aragorn King LSR. So that's what I start with. 240 points, of course, with the horse, uh, armoured horse. Um, so that's the big, big start to the list. Then we've got uh, a full warband of 18 warriors. So we've got four fountain court, uh, guards of the fountain court, all with shields. Then we've got eight warriors of Minas Tirith with spear and shield, and six warriors of Minas Tirith with just shield. So we've got a full 18 there, um, and it's, you know, it's it got quite a lot of numbers in there. Uh, well, I, I like that already. So we've got 19, 19 guys already, so that's a good start. Um, the next list, uh, sorry, the next uh, warband. The next warband uh, is got Hurin. Now, Hurin is a hero I haven't used yet, um, other than in one practice game earlier this week. Um, and he's, I love the synergy between um, Hurin and LSR. I've been talking to Jasmine, a friend of mine, um, about about these synergies between. Um, I may even play her at this tournament uh, this weekend. But either way, uh, we we really rate the LSR Huron combination, and I, I definitely want to try out Huron and LSR with that special rule that means that you don't get the um, VPs for killing the general if Huron is still on the table. So that's really cool. I like that. Um, in his warband, I've got uh, two Citadel Guard mounted with bows. Their main function is to grab objectives late late game. Um, I did have them with spears originally, but then of course spears are pointless when you're on a horse. So decided to give them bows, uh, long bows as well. So you know got a bit of a threat there, and they can move five inches and still shoot. So that's quite cool. Then uh, two knights of Minas Tirith. So again, we've got a, quite a mobile um, mobile contingent there. We've got four mounted models uh, plus the two heroes uh, here, and of course on a horse. Um, so it's nice to nice to be able to make sure we've got got that movement basically. And then filling out the rest of the warband. So we've already got four models. Uh, this is a hero of Valor Hurin. Uh, filling out this warband with ten warriors of Minas Tirith with spear and shield. And one warrior of the Minister with banner, spear, and shield. Now, I umdenied about the banner, I must say, because obviously LSR has a six-inch banner effect. Um, but I decided, well, there's there's some objective-based games that include the banner that you need. You, you don't want to get the two points for that. So, so I thought that, and also, you know, it does give me that chance to just spread those rerolls because you know I want to be winning combats um, with this army a lot, and without without banners, I'm going to I'm going to struggle to sort of make any progress. So, so I I thought, well, let's go with it, see how it goes. And in the practice game I played, it it proved invaluable because I could take a good old contingent of of guys down one end and have. Um, LSR threatening this uh, and Huron threatening one side, um, while the sort of main main contingent down the uh, down the other flank was kind of uh, at least holding steady because you know you had the spear and the, the so many spears, um, so you got basically three dice to win each combat, which was really cool. Um, and I think it I think it has a chance of winning really well. And then the final, you may have noticed, seventy points left. Um, that is as simple as a bolt thrower with swift reload. Now. Uh, I haven't used the bolt throw in the new rules yet. Um, I, I decided I've got to have the swift reload because I just know that I'd end up rolling ones <laughs> for the first couple of turns because you're only really going to get a couple of turns of shooting off the bolt thrower. Um, I was really tempted again to go with the trebuchet. Um, there's something about the trebuchet that works really well is in that you end up sort of taking off a group of orcs uh, or whatever you're fighting against. Uh, I use orcs because I've played against some orcs recently. Um they, you can take a contingent of like maybe three or four at least away from the line to distract 
um, while they go and deal with a trebuchet. Meanwhile, you're dropping rocks on the rest of the uh, the rest of the army, basically. So you can get some. And if you're lucky, I, I once had a uh, knocked. I think it was one of the twins off their their horse and killed them in one shot with a trebuchet. So they can be good. But this swift reload bolt for uh, you know five shots or six shots or you know something like that could be pretty devastating. Strength seven shots. Um, you know they'll, they'll do some really good damage, especially against stuff that you know is pot- potentially higher defence. So you know weaknesses. I'll move on to. Might as well straight get, move straight onto it. Weaknesses. Um, what was the minister of weaknesses? Ah, uh, they, they really don't. They really don't do so well at killing things. Um, unless you're playing like Goblin Town, uh, that is pretty much the only army I can think of where they're actually doing good, uh, good killing. Only strength three majority. So I've got what is it uh, about. F- 14, 24 warriors that are only strength 3 with no bonuses so so that's that's quite they're going to struggle but then also they're defence 7 with those shield walls so hoping that they're going to just um, you know hold their ground while the heroes do all the work um, I've got the the mobility so I'm quite keen on that as a uh, as a sort of objective grabbing thing I've got a couple of knights with, with lancers of course so they can they can do some damage as well um, you know I mean I, I, with only four uh, four cavalry not sure that it's going to really make a massive impact but it's certainly for objective grabbing really keen on those um, and of course you've got Aragorn so there's there's marches and there's there's just so much so much potential there with Aragorn. So I, I'm I, I think I really rate this list. I really like Minas Tirith. I I kind of get get it now. I've played enough games in the new edition that I think I understand Minas Tirith. So um, I'm hoping that the bolt thrower performs and Aragorn performs, and that Huron uh, you know t- does his does his job. Only ninety points Huron. You know two attacks, three on the charge. He's he's pretty 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 good actually, and with that uh, special sword, uh, yeah, there's lots there's lots going for Huron. So um, pretty excited to use them. So there you go. That's my good list. Um, Thirty seven models, uh, two bows, and and a bolt for of course. So on to evil. This is a list that is only a slight variation on something I took to the Grand Tournament in Warhammer World uh, earlier this year. Um, something I, it's, so it's got an extra fifty points, which I kind of there's not not a lot I've been able to spend it on. But here's the general gist. Uh, it starts with the Mummock War Leader. Yeah, the Mummock War Leader, four hundred points. Okay, so I know what you're thinking. I thought you said you were going to be competitive. Come on, what is this? This, you know, the Mummock, They're they're cool and they look great and they they can be devastating, but really they're not. They're not objectives. They're, they're just suffering objective-based games. But the new rules for the Mummock are amazing. The uh, Legion of the South Grand Legion thing from Gondor War. That's awesome. Uh, it gives it uh, the Mummock War Leader a free heroic combat or strike if you're fighting the leader, enemy leader. Uh, the War Leader itself already gets. A four plus um, chance of disabling people's uh, heroic moves, so you get that extra chance to do those hits. Uh, it's got resistance to magic. It's it's a little bit harder than the other mummocks, basically. Um, and I really rate it. I really rate it. He's uh, one turn uh, killed Gil- Gilgalad before. Same with El- Elrond. Same with Army of the Dead. It's just it's unstoppable. But the key with this is making sure that people don't just avoid it. So my idea with this list is that only half that uh, less than half of my army is off the mummock so that you have to deal with the mummock or at least shoot some guys off the top which is unlikely because with the end ways and the, the they get a six plus save because they're on the top of the mummock so uh, i've got 12 uh, haradrim warriors with bows in the howder along with four mahud raiders uh two with pipes and two with um war spears and pipes 
So that's uh, the full war band, the Mumic War Leaders War Band. Uh, it's I think he's a leg- hero legend, so actually it's not quite a full war band. But although Mahud Raiders are brittle, they're a bit glass hammery. Um, I like, I really rate them. Impact hits. It's strength four hits on a charge. That's that's nice. I like that. And we've got four of them with war spears, a couple with war spears as well. Um, I would have given them more war spears, but uh, it didn't quite work out on the list. So uh, the next war band is Suladan with a horse and bow. And five Harad Raiders, all with war spears, and two Haradrim warriors, no spears, just plain Haradrim warriors. Now, uh, it sounds weird uh, to have two Harad warriors with no spear, and I even had to convert these guys. Um, but the idea behind it is, if you do the maths there, I've got four Mahud Raiders, five Harad Raiders, that's nine, uh, two Harad warriors, that's 11, that's 12, uh, including Suladan, and there's 12 guys on the Mummock. So... This is my my idea, is that, you know, you need to kill all those guys. Um, and the Harad Warriors, basically, because of the points, to the maths just doesn't, doesn't work. Can't give them spears. But I don't really care, because those guys are either going to hide somewhere, or they're going to go and grab objectives. Um, they're really not going to get involved. Basically, the idea of this army is Mumuk Wall either goes forward, the horse is sort of behind it, um, and then once the wall leader hits, and once it starts getting surrounded, the horses go in, and the uh, camels go in. And um, that's pretty much it. So, and then they're hopefully, uh, you know, I've done enough damage by then to, you know, for the Harad warriors to clean up any objectives and things like that. So uh, it's 26 models uh, because the war leader officially counts as two. So it breaks at 13. Um, so that's pretty cool. So you've got to kill Suladan, five Harad raiders, two warriors, two Mahud raiders, two Mahud raiders again with the pipes and spears. And then you still have to kill a guy on the Mummock. So it's going to be a tough job. I played uh, played this at the Grand Tournament, as I said earlier. I really liked the um, the combination of just kind of forcing people's hand, uh, basically saying, well, look, you know, I know you, you want to avoid that war leader, you want to avoid that massive Mummock, but you can't, because if you don't, you're not going to break me and the game's just going to carry on and I'm going to keep peppering you with arrows. So the only armies that I think this is going to um, really, really struggle against is Elven armies which have lots and lots of shots say i don't know an army where you've got something like 15 bows i mean that's unlikely though isn't it or even another no it's a good versus evil. i was going to say another harad army but no good versus evil this tournament so so the only thing i'm really bothered about are elves shooting at me and then even then the chances of them killing every single um haradrim warrior on that that beast and everyone else before the war leaders got stuck in there and chopped them up is it's a it's it's a it's a tough ask. So I really like this army. Yes, it's going to be a little weak uh, in terms of objective grabbing because those two Harad warriors are the only things that can actually grab objectives like uh, the Caesar Prize and stuff like that. But I'm not too worried. I'm just going to trample uh, over the front of, uh, of stuff and uh, kill anyone who's got objectives. Basically, um, I guess terrain is a big deal if there's loads of terrain which you know that's that's fine there are loads of terrain people can just hide in the terrain so that's why i've got a few um bows and a few mahud raiders and stuff that can you know start wheedling things out even having just a couple of harad warriors that can i don't know they're not going to do a great deal of getting anyone out of terrain but at least it's there's something there so uh, strategies against this include hiding loads of bows in the woods 
and watching as a Mimic War leader can't do really anything about it. So those are the things I'm worried about. Uh, we'll see how the tournament goes. Good versus evil, as I said, uh, which is really exciting. I'm looking forward to this tournament. Um, it's actually been really difficult to paint everything up. I've been had some really busy weeks the last couple of weeks, so um, I've got literally got to finish off painting uh, my army downstairs uh, bef- the night before the tournament, as as ever. Um, so uh, good fun, all great. I've got to pe- finish painting off those Harad warriors and basing them, but very excited for the tournament. So. Before I head off to Sun and Ashfield for the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, I think it's time for this. Riddles of the Dark. I Yes, of course, it's time for The Riddle in the Dark, this regular game where I play a clip from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies, and you have to guess who speaks next and what they say. Usually it's a bit tricky, usually I try and avoid people saying anything, it's mostly from the sound effects and the cue of the music, so it can be tough unless you're a super fan like most of us are, to be fair, if we're in this game. So... Let's move on to uh, last week's uh, Riddle in the Dark and see whether you guys got it right. Yes, so that was the clip, and of course, so many of you uh, got this right, and I, I thought I got, I thought I might have tricked you there, I really did, uh, but a, a load of you getting it right. So uh, let's just give a quick run through some of the messages I got uh, last week. Uh, thanks to Tom Hawker, who says I may be completely out of the ballpark here, but as for the riddle, I'm pretty sure it's when the blah 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 blah. I'll reveal the answer in a second, in case you didn't hear last week. But yes, Tom, you definitely got it right. You said you originally thought it was Bard shooting Smaug over Lake Town but then thought of it uh, again and finally settled on the one that you got. So thank you very much Tom for getting in touch. Uh, Nathaniel Van Til thank you again for getting in touch. Um, You say this last one really got me. Took nine times through listening to it. I hope you didn't listen to the whole episode nine times. Uh, But you are confident it is from the Desolation of Smaug, so I'll start uh, introducing the uh, the film, and you have absolutely got it right, so well done, Nathaniel Van Til. Uh, who else has been in touch? We've got Ryan Van... Uh, sorry, Ryan Trays. Thank you very much, Ryan. Uh, say, big fan of the podcast, mate. Love your work. Thank you very much. And you've got to guess... And you are correct. Excellent work. And Albert Fraval, who also has been in touch every every episode so far, I think, having a good guess at this. And you say, uh, uh, oh, yes, you've got it. You've absolutely got it right. This is this character doing it. Well, should I do it? Yeah, I'll, I'll reveal it now. This is you saying, as an arachnophobe, how could I forget? Legolas does his Legolas thing and says, I'll reveal it. What after I've spoken to the final uh, person who was Damien O'Burn. Oh yes, uh, it was Damien O'Burn who got in touch saying, of course, I know the answer to this. It's when my wonderful Tauriel appears for the first time in the film. And of course, it's Legolas, the Prince of Mirkwood, who says, do not think I won't kill you, dwarf. It would be my pleasure. I hope that was good enough. This is what it actually sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> 
do not think I won't kill you, dwarf. It would be my pleasure. So thank you again uh, for everyone who got in touch uh, for the Riddle in the Dark uh, last week. Will be... Oh, oh, sorry, I've missed one. Dan Broxholm. Uh, apologies, Dan. I, I almost missed your message. Well done to you. Uh, you also got it correct. So thank you very much to everyone who got in uh, touch on entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. So thank you, all of you, for getting in touch about that. Now, I guess it's right about time to do this week's Riddle in the Dark. Ooh, yeah. What do you think of that one? Think you can get it? Let's try again. And one more time for luck. So let me know who you think speaks next after that clip and what do they say can you get it uh, get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com entmootpodcast at gmail.com and also feel free to send any other comments uh, to that uh, address if you fancy a request of any sort for the episode please do email in there but yes get your requests and guesses for the riddle in the dark uh, into the podcast but it's about time now finally i've faffed around with my uh, my riddle in the dark and I've done some recording and so on but I need desperately to finish my painting it's really getting quite late uh, the night before the tournament so I best head down and finally finish off the painting but the next time you hear me hopefully I'll have it all done and it'll be time for the battle of unnumbered tears Stop, I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! So game one at the Battle of Unnumbered Tears is to the death, and I played against Tom. Uh, Tom, just first of all, take me through the, uh, the army list that you've brought here today. Well, it's Faramir's Legendary Legion. So it's basically Faramir, Madril, Damrod all the rangers in the world and a couple of ministerial captains and this this list is I, I said in the preamble to this that um, I was worried about pretty much one thing um, which was <laughs> bows and you've got 43 bows in your list 43 yeah so just a few and what you know so, uh, obviously this is good versus evil so you're facing against my mummock army what, when you first saw the war leader on the table and all the sort of surrounding cavalry what did you think to defend your chances well I was very scared of the mummock never played one and I knew if he got into any of my men, it was curtains. So, looking at the looking at the table, I knew I had to try and get into the woods. So the woods were the centre point of the battlefield for me. Needed to get into those. Yeah, because uh, early on we, we, we talked to the uh, TO and um, he agreed that we need to. Uh, that there was so much terrain that they, there was a, a balancing act yeah. to had, and he said that we can charge through. I could, the moment can charge through the big rocks and destroy them which he did a couple uh, but the forest crucially you still can't go into woodland terrain as is in the rule book so I think that probably helped but there are so many moments there where you charge with things like your your rangers that just tied up that mummock for a couple of extra turns which proved crucial really yeah the courage test I passed a lot of courage test to charge the mummock 
So getting those boys in meant that you didn't have the freedom to trample as many dudes. Yeah. So that was key as well. Yeah, because I swung to the... So the, the battle lines were formed with Madril on your right, my left. Because uh, I had to set up first, the Mummock um, went to the left-hand side. So it went straight for Madril's warband. Perhaps as a bad idea because I needed to kill Faramir and the Banner, which were on the other side. But I thought if I could churn through them quite quickly... Move move across, but I didn't just because of those crucial courage checks. I think it didn't have enough time to swing back the other way uh, before before you castled up into the woods. Yeah, my, my plan was to tie you up with it, that warband for as long as possible to give Faramir a chance to get across to the other wood on your side of the board, and it, it played out like that. It, it certainly worked really well. I mean, I, I ended up not killing your leader or killing your banner. Suladan managed to survive till the end he of the did, game. He's he, he he churned through quite a few guys and uh, then hung around and behind some rocks avoiding <laughs> shots, trying to avoid the boards. But a 9-6 victory for, for you, Tom. Uh, you should be really proud of that. It was a really, really well-played game. It was, uh, the, it was a brilliant game. With all those those bows, I was very scared, but you played it played it to perfection, so well done. Thank you very much. Yeah, the game, well right? played, and thanks very much for talking to me. So game number two uh, was seize the prize in the centre, and I was playing once again with my evil mummock, and playing against Ian. Uh, Ian, just, just give us an idea of what your list was. So I was running Iron House. With Dane as my leader, uh, Thorin on a go, Dwellin on a go, uh, Iron Hills Buster, and 21 Warriors. So lots and lots of high defence stuff. Um, but in that first turn, I suppose the crucial move was I marched with my Mummock War Leader and pretty much covered up the prize in the first go. So it made it, I guess, an uphill battle from there for you. Pretty much, yeah. It was um, because of the way the, the terrain was set up, it was pretty much in the middle, I can't get to the, the prize and I can't really go round it either, so I have to go through it. Yeah. It's quite difficult. It was really tough, yeah, because it's almost in like a little channel, like a road in the middle with some bushes and stuff on either side. And, and I guess because I managed to push through that first turn and then you had your line blocking it at the end, it was it was going to be quite tough. It all, all came pretty much down to a strike, though, I'd have thought. Yeah, um, I think it was the, the first round of combat that we had. Um, Thor and Shuck. The Mimic War Leader stuck. Yes, because Dane was in the combat, so I get a free heroic strike with the War Leader, which is essential, really. Yeah, and then Thorn rolls a one. The Mimic War Leader, war leader goes up to ten, wins a fight, pretty much kills Dane, leaves him with one wound yeah. and no fate, no might. Yeah, um, it, it was a pretty desperate situation after that, and then because of the War Leader's special rule that I managed to deny your next heroic move, got the trample off and killed Dane, and then through that, it was a lot of. There were a, a lot of Iron Hill dead in that, that second De- trample. Definitely, it was absolutely savage. <laughs> it really was. But uh, I, what you've done really well, though, um, it's a 3-1 victory to me in the end, um, but you really well um, managed to chop off those points that I was gonna, probably going to get for the prize because for a long time I had that prize. But um, in the end, it was like a, there was a, sh- a face-off right in the final turn. Well, next turn, if, the, if it carried on, which would be both 25%ed, but next turn, there was a war leader who'd fallen off his mummock, he'd killed the mummock with the ballista, and... A, an Iron Hills guy standing there so it would have been really interesting to see what happened next turn definitely it would have been a, an epic face off <laughs> yeah because you, you, that, that ballista though is absolutely filthy sometimes you know you, you've one shot at the moment right in the last turn after a couple of early turns where it, it scattered into the howder and, and you've tried rightly to get the prize and you killed the prize guy but yeah it was a, a, it was a tough battle towards the end there definitely yeah it was very close it was a very enjoyable game we all enjoyed it yeah and I, I think what I like about um, bringing the war leader is and, and actually you with the Iron Hills ballista it adds these extra tactical decisions that you 
you just don't play in, often in games, do you? That's right. And you also get to learn new rules about the Buster and the and the uh, the Mimic. Yeah, we were. We, I mean, despite you you being a veteran of the scene and you know winning tournaments and everything before, um, we were both looking at rules in the book, going, "What happens when this happens with a Ballista and a Mimic?" That's right. There's two things that don't really come together often. So yeah, uh, crazy. <laughs> but it was fun. Lots of rules being denied. Lots of special rules in play, and it was just generally a fun game. So thanks very much, Ian, for the game. Yeah, thank you very much. Man. Thank you. Cheers. So, game number three, and we're playing Lords of Battle. I once again had the Mummock. We rolled off and got a Mummock against Chris Murphitz with another Iron Hills army. I must say, I was a bit scared seeing the, uh, the Ballista and so on, but just first summarise your list, because you've got a few sneaky extras in there, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, so it's Dane on Pig, of course, leading about 15 or 16 Iron Hills, all with spears and a banner. A captain on a goat, uh, leading 10, 11 more, one with a Matic. A ballista and the sneaky bit, I suppose, is a Lake Town militia captain leading Alfred. Just uh, lots and lots of might points. Yeah, which which I, I must admit, I was a little bit scared of that because you just have a lot, so much might to cancel my uh, my heroic moves and things like that. But then, of course, I actually do literally cancel heroic moves. So uh, when when you saw the uh, Mummock war leader across the table, what did you think? Did you did you fancy your chances? Uh, no, <laughs> I thought. My chances are, if I manage to get at least a decent hit with the blister on it in the first turn, then I've got a chance. Otherwise, it's probably going to trample me and kill me. And and that is basically what happened. Yeah. I mean, I marched forward and eventually connected with um, with the captain on a on a goat with all the guys well, and yeah. just churned through them in one yeah, go. You basically, killed ten Iron Hills and the captain on the goat, leaving just the one with the matic. So he took out a warband in one move. Yeah, which is massive as well, and and considering they all have pretty much fearless within within range of uh, of Dane, so they're, they're the sort of thing that I really don't want to be facing yeah. with a war leader. Yeah, it's difficult. The Mimic war leader's ability cancelling out. I think it's took out about three points. I think it actually was the one that actually stopped the captain moving mm. to allow the warband to be wiped out. Yeah, yeah, that that is absolutely crucial. And you know, in the old edition um, or. Standard mummocks, I think they really suffer because of that heroic move-off situation where, where there's really no advantage for the mummock in terms of heroic moves. But, but the ability to cancel people's moves as well as having that roll-off just makes so much difference. Yeah, it was definitely the case. I managed to win the roll-offs a lot of the times, using a lot of might, but then eventually it got to the stage I didn't win the move-off and then you trampled through about another eight or more uh, Iron Hills and then took two wounds on Dane took him off his pig mm. and then that was the end of the army I yeah. think I was not broken and then I had about three models left at, <laughs> at the end of that next yeah, move it was a pretty big uh, pretty big move that um, I was intrigued because I, I suspected uh, I thought that you were going to send in send in the big guns basically send Dane and uh, a couple of or like surround me with Iron Hills did you ever consider really taking it on because there was never a moment where you went right I'm committing everything to the mummock the main issue was the movement five of the dwarfs is you can get the move on to them before I can get on to you. Sending Dane and the goat out by themselves might do some wounds on the there, but they're very, very vulnerable to losing the move off or getting cancelled and then trampled. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose once, because I have this swarm of cavalry kind of surrounding, although it worked to my downs uh, against me in some regards, I had a shield of my own people in front of yeah. me. It, I guess it held, I whittled a few extra guys down before I could finally get that big old churn through at the, in the last move. Um, so it, it, it kind of worked out in my favour, even though I, I secretly wanted to just, just churn through my own guys a lot, and I kind of did in the end. Yeah, uh, 
it did stop me getting all my dwarfs onto you, but it did stop you getting onto me until I unfortunately, uh, I suppose, fortunately wiped out most of your cavalry that then allowed you the free move. Yeah. But yeah, that mimic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it, it pretty much boils down to ugh, that mimic, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, you, you, I think it, it was it was a really interesting game though because uh, the if. I think maybe three or four of your shots from the Iron Hills Ballista missed, which yeah. was just devastating for you. Because if you got it, all you needed was two of those, yeah. and you'd have you'd have wiped out in one go, which is yeah. Because also hit the Mimic War Leader with a straight on dead shot, and then rolled a two to wound and didn't have the might point anymore after the Seed Veteran had died, yeah. which might have swung some of the game, but. I think I will be purchasing a Mimic War Leader on Monday. <laughs> Heading off to Warhammer World, Chris. Well, well, thanks very much for talking to me and playing the game. It's great. Thank you for the game. Cheers. So it's game number four, and it was Contest of Champions. And by a pure uh, coincidence, uh, all four games of today have rolled off in the way of evil for me. So I've used my Mimic for every single game. And been playing Charles in the final game of today, uh, Contest of Champions. Just give us an outline of your army, first of all. So it's the Legendary Legion uh, Return of the King. And I have gone for all three, three hunters with the King of the Dead, which leaves me with 19 Warriors of the Dead. Uh, 10 with shield, 9 with spear, because spears are very useful. Mm. And what did help was the amount of might I had. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, this is a, a, a this is an, a tough matchup for me, because obviously you're fighting against the uh, the courage of the, the Mummock, which is 2, down to 1, uh, with the uh, Army of the Dead and the Harbinger of Evil from the King of the Dead. And it basically came down to the first couple of rolls. So we set up in the middle, obviously both call a heroic move, uh, I try and cancel yours with my special rule. It fails. Uh, and then obviously the, the, the move goes your way, which means that you can send in all the big guns, charging, taking away those tramples, and just basically hacking away at the legs of the, <laughs> legs of the moment with your, your... I think you're wounding it on threes, aren't you? So Yeah, my normal troops are wounding it on threes. Aragorn went two-handed because of... He can go two-handed, and I had enough to get the six. Um, and he was also wounding it on three, so that was nine normal wounds from Aragorn and six uh, and seven normal dudes before the King of the Dead decided to uh, go in for the auto kill, even though it was just on the last wound. Yeah, to be fair, you could have done the auto kill first to, to save me the pain of having to watch you take all those wounds off first. Uh, but to be fair, you did you did think that you were going to get the uh, points for the wounds, or you might have got the uh, the kill from I, him. I would have had to get very lucky if all seven troops got a free plus. Um, Aragorn could have killed it to give me a might point back and obviously a kill for his tally. Mm. Uh, in the end, I didn't get either of them, but it didn't matter in the end, sadly. Yeah, it, it went pretty one-sided after that. As you can imagine, a 400-point uh, Mummock goes down in turn two or one or whatever it was. Uh, it doesn't leave me with a lot of uh, stuff left on the field. So although I managed to kill four ghosts in the end, it was pretty much one-sided. I managed to, the war leader managed to kill one, and Aragorn managed to kill three things in the end. So, yeah. you you just just managed to get triple to get the ten nil in the end. I think it was, wasn't it? It was, and luckily Aragorn's last heroic move also got into your leader and uh, managed to get you a wound on him, which which did give me that tenth point. Yeah. 
but Legolas shooting Sullivan's horse from underneath him also didn't really help you with that, did it? Yeah, I mean, at that point, to be fair, it was a bit of a, a, a moot point. I'd, I'd almost given up. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I was I was excited for the rematch because I've played King, King of the, uh, Army of the Dead before with a mummock. Um, I've played, uh, and, and it went just steamrolled through stuff. But if you don't have those moves and you don't have the chance to do it, there's just no, there's nothing I can do about it. They just, they are basically, I mean, we've seen the films, you know, it's literally, this list is designed to kill the war mummock, I guess. It is, yes. Yeah, which is a, a bit of a shame. But, hey, it was, a, it was a great game. It was really interesting to see those, to see the, the build and the, see the, lovely to see this thematic list and a thematic clash as well. It was, yes. Um, the train didn't also help you, really, because of I got that roll-off as well, so that was three bad roll-offs for you, because yeah. your guys couldn't then come round the mummock yeah. and actually uh, take some of my millions of spirits from... Uh, hitting you all at once that is true and I was I was looking at ways that I could slot Sullivan in to try and take the King of the Dead off or even just a random war spear guy off and, and hopefully avoid that that uh, you know the drain soul thing but you know I, I think I don't think there's a great deal I could have done differently I had to start in the middle you had to start in the middle so it really was but down to how, how the dice went in that one I think it at the was start. it came down to three dice rolls all at start set up then move and then, well, if you cancelled my move, and then who got the move? Yeah. All three of them went my way, and I got lucky, and that did really give me yeah. the game. Absolutely. Uh, but it was, it, like I say, it's an interesting matchup, and Charles, thanks very much for the game again. Appreciate it. No worries. Cheers, mate. Thank you. You can almost hear the tears dripping onto the microphone as I uh, interviewed Charles Black there after that uh, very, very speedy defeat. Uh, in contests of champions. I guess it's my fault for bringing uh, the Mummock War Leader, but, oh God, I would have loved to have played the other game. It would have been Aragorn against Azog. Well, that would have been an interesting fight, uh, nonetheless, but probably also still down to dice rolls and and, uh, 50-50s. But either way, it was interesting to have a rematch against the Army of the Dead with the Mummock War Leader, considering the last time I did it, I trampled through every single squad of of the army. So uh, it was interesting to see it from the other side and get an absolute pasting uh, from Aragorn and his ghostly fellows. So that was the end of day one. Uh, Four games, intense, very intense gaming. I felt very stressed at the end of uh, day one. It was really, really was a great uh, great day of uh, gaming. So uh, with that, it was uh, for many people off to a pub and uh, uh, for some dinner and some uh, jollity for the evening. But I uh, went off to stay with some uh, good friends who were also playing in the tournament, uh, Callum and Katrina. And, and I just wanted to say, uh, say about the uh, tournament scene here in, uh, in the Lord of the Rings strategy battle games or Middle-earth strategy battle game. Uh, a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, I'd never met Callum and Katrina, but now they're willing to invite me over to their house and you know, uh, put me up for the night. So it just shows that, uh, that you, you make some really good friends and meet some lovely people while playing uh, toy soldiers so thank you to them and I got up on the Sunday morning and I was weeping with anticipation because I genuinely really really wanted to use my Aragorn and Hurin that I'd stayed up so late to paint on the Friday night before the tournament maybe it's my own fault for not planning in advance but I was desperate for a game with that Minas Tirith army so fingers crossed I have one on Sunday so game number five uh, heirlooms of ages past once again I've been unlucky or lucky depending on your opinion uh, and I've been <laughs> ended up with the Mummock playing with the Mummock War Leader for five turns in a row a uh, roll off each time and also luckily are loving by the way yeah, <laughs> and also the third Scotsman I played in the tournament with the uh, Mummock War Leader uh, Alan uh, first of all 
you didn't seem that keen when you saw the moment Qualley over the other side yeah. of the table. Well, considering what happened to the other two Scots, uh, yeah, I was not looking forward to it at all. Not looking forward to it. Just give us a summary, uh, summary of your army list, though, first of all. Uh, Gondor, shield wall, just generic guys. Defence six, backed up the Rangers. A few fighting court guard there for the uh, bodyguards. Aragorn leading it, Madrill to help it come on when it wants to, and Maelstrom and Eowyn with a few riders. Oh, and the ball throw. And the ball throw, yeah. Uh, so in the first turn, obviously Maelstrom uh, for Aliens of Ages Past. Um, the moment kind of stomped on o- straight over the bolt thrower, um, while Madrill and other guys ended up in the other corners. Do you think that was the right move for me in the first turn to trample the bolt thrower, or should I have gone for Madrill and his gang? I think Madrill's potentially a nice juicy target. Where they got rid of three points, they might straight off the bat. You then just need to hope that Saladin comes on next to the bolt thrower and takes the shooting and then kills it. Yeah, and I, I think I probably that was probably the big biggest mistake I made because in the end it was Madril's warband that got the heirloom and were castled up inside a bit of terrain that I was fighting through. And if maybe there was another turn or two, I might have got there. But in the end, it was it was a six-five loss to me. A very close. You had the heirloom. I did kill everything else pretty much apart from Aragon. One more turn, and you would have trampled Aragon or forced me to get like a twenty-five percent chance of not having them get trampled. Yeah, yeah. Although I'd run out of might, so it might have been. It was a half and half next turn, but either way, it, that um, yeah, it was it's a ropey thing. I mean, what do you think of the war leader? Because I mean, obviously, your your fellow Scotsmen have, have struggled against it, but you you managed just about to win again. Uh, I managed by avoiding it with that one warband. Yeah. Uh, no, it's definitely the way to go if you're taking a mimic. Pretty much the mimic war leader is four hundred points, and he comes with a pet. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's just a pain in the ass to deal with. But um, in terms of the, the strategies you employed, obviously the, the main idea was castling up in the terrain and, and using that to your advantage. I guess that's one of the main disadvantages of, of a mummock because it ended up having to wander around this kind of circuitous path which led through a banner and trying to get through Aragorn. But that, I guess that's the only way you can you win this game, really, is getting the heirloom and just castling up. Yeah, pretty much, well, definitely against that, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Other armies, I mean, I can try and go toe-to-toe with them. I've got the pretty much average fight value four with the Rangers. Aragon can deal with a fair amount of, on his own. Eowyn as well in the charge is pretty scary for normal troops. Hmm. And in terms of the rest of the tournament, like you, you've got uh, another army, you've got an Urukai army, and and thing. What what do you think about this this good versus evil matchups? Do because it's not all not every single tournament we play that that we do this sort of stuff. No, no. Like uh, I've been lucky that I've had three with my evil and two of my good so far. So it's fairly balanced at the moment, or mm. as balanced as it can be. I mean, uh, I do think the game plays better, but there's because of the new heroes being not getting hit by magic as much, I think they're harder to deal with. Yeah. So it makes good armies better. Yeah, I, I think that having played against only good armies, it's been the big heroes that have re- been really scary. Although I do have a big hero of my own on a massive elephant, so that does help. But um, especially when you, you can trample over them in one go. You've got an average hero <laughs> on a big elephant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. With a couple of special rules that makes that elephant absolutely nasty. But the, there was a, a brilliant moment of, uh, of like almost the Grand National happening uh, in this, this game. Just to explain what happened with ob- the middle objective that I had intended on sitting on with my mummock for the rest of the game. Well, thankfully, that was uh, one of the times I won priority. So I had three riders, Rohan and Eowyn, standing by to jump a hedge and then dismount in order to try and pick up the prize. So I was just going to charge guys, but I couldn't see the second one, so I could never get rid of his control zone to go through the gap. So I jumped the hedge, rolled a four, 
re-rolled it with the expert rider and managed to get the six on the first rider, so didn't have to sacrifice the other three models. Yeah, uh, and then thankfully it was not the prize in the centre. Yeah, it was and it was amazing. I mean that that. that I ha- Rohan decided to just look death in the, the face. Really. Yeah, yeah, he got trampled pretty quickly after that. But that that kind of that because like I say, I was intending on sitting on that um, thing for the rest of the game pretty much and hoping that. Suladan and guys would maybe get to the banner and things like that, or or at least surrounding it with the uh, the rest of my riders, sitting on that objective with them, and then sending the Mummock off to deal with everything else. So that was a pretty decisive uh, decisive moment and a hilarious moment because I hadn't even seen it coming because I'd well, never I'd never really considered jumping over a hedge. Well, I said it was a total last minute decision for myself. I was looking for a, a charge and run through a gap, but it was the only option that was left at me at that point when I couldn't see the other uh, warrior. Either way, Alan, great game. It was so tense and so close. A 6-5 loss uh, to me, but it was an absolute pleasure to play and uh, really enjoyed it. So Thanks very much. Cheers. Okay, um, game number six, and it was Fog of War. Um, finally, I get to use my good army, which is uh, a, a relief, I must say. Um, so I got to use Aragorn and, uh, and Hurin in Fog of War against a, a, well, an evil alliance uh, by... Um, which Connor has brought. Uh, this, well, just explain your list first of all, Connor. Well, it's, it's a combination of Azog's Hunters and Azog's Legion with Bolg, um, with 10 Gundabad Spears, a Ogre, and the rest of the Hunter Captains, so Fimble, Naz- Narzog, and Yazneg, all with their uh, eight Hunters each with bows. So, a bit of a combination. And when you saw Aragorn and Hurin and the Shield Wall in Fog of War, uh, with, a, with a Bolg fur, of course, did you fancy a chance? What did you think when you saw it? I thought possibly would have a good chance with only having a 24 inch uh, range could actually stand back a little bit drawing the likes of Ingold and Aragorn with a shield wall but shooting at a shield wall with a strength 2 bow is never really going to pay off too well even with Morgul arrows it was always going to be a bit tricky but I find some of my chances with my, my heroes especially against the likes of Ingold with the three of them and the ogre but Unfortunately, not quite the, uh, the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, there were, so you sort of sent out a couple of your heroes on their own almost at the start of the, the, the games in, in the hope that you'd break through the shield walls or uh, I think you called a heroic combat with, not Yasnik, Fimble. Fimble, yeah. Fimble in the first, first turn and, and just re- realised when you hit those, the shield wall, which was defence seven, that, that he really struggled to penetrate that shield wall. Yeah, massively so. I mean, the idea was with a um, scenery... Uh, bonus being able to get that was to kind of ping off the side of it and make my way towards that with him on warg um didn't quite go to plan unfortunately as you say with defense seven and even with strength five seemed to really roll badly to stop him from uh, from pinging off yeah it, it's they're, they're tough to break through i mean I, th- I think did you get one in the end or was it out of the two that you needed to kill or it maybe it was well didn't even get anyone but either way it was and i think it's you sank all your might in that as well with, just to try and get that heroic combat off and it just uh, so that was a bit of bad luck and then bold came in uh, around the ranks and you think oh yeah you fancy Bog's chances comes up against Aragorn in the first turn you almost killed Aragorn in the first turn after we both struck up I failed to get the highest rank um, after surrounding you with other stuff second turn though was really interesting because I charged Hurin in Aragorn and Bog uh, Aragorn Hurin and Bolg all in combat with lots of people surrounding him and I missed this this heroic combat that you'd you'd called and I, I was I was devastated when I saw this because uh, was it Yasneg had called it, a heroic combat? It was yeah and this, the round previous Yasneg had actually managed to lose his warg which was not to plan at all however it did leave him in quite a good position and as I saw Ingold run towards Bolg um, I had a feeling that you would have actually missed Yasneg as a as a bod stood in, just in a line so it gave me quite a good opportunity to, to leave a little bit of a gap open and take out Aragon from a um, 
from the combat with Bolg, which in my eyes was really beneficial to me with, with Ingold being the one that was trying to kill. Yeah, Hurin, Hurin. Hurin, sorry, yeah. keep calling him Ingold. Yeah. Hurin with the one that was trying to kill, stood in a combat with Bolg at fight seven and with a free strike from his uh, master of battle. It should have, should have gone in my favour and really set me up for the rest of the match. Um, in you had end, other ideas, though, yeah, didn't you, Harry? Yeah, in, in the end, sadly, uh, for, sadly for you, and look, very lucky, uh, this, this costly mistake on my behalf ended up, because of my luck, ended up um, kind of probably doing certainly a long way of winning the game because I, um, I, I managed to get the strike off with, uh, with Hurin and I won the combat with Hurin. Ended up killing him with the with the guys, uh, killing Bolg with Huron and the guys surrounding him, which was great. That was good. Um, Aragorn spent uh, the last two of his might to kill Yasnek, who was my the one I was trying to target. So I was trying to protect my siege veteran, uh, which we'll come to in a bit. Um, and Huron was your guy that you were trying to target. So if, if it, it could have gone terribly, that you know you successfully killed Huron and I spaffed up against the uh, um, against Yasneg but it turned out I managed to kill the guy I wanted and save that one in that turn which was very lucky but there was there was quite a lot of interesting stuff going on because I, I sent this group of guys uh, in the very first turn the Minister of Warriors about eight or so with spear and shield all around to the two objectives that were closest to each other scenery that was closest to each other did I convince you that they were the ones that I was going for? Uh at the beginning I did, yeah. I thought this, with the amount of boys that you'd put into it and the amount of shielding that you were doing, I did. I was convinced. I was happy enough to leave the Hunters with a few spear supports to be able to fight them. The damage output of the Hunters is brilliant. I mean, even against Defence 7, you're still had a good chance with your two attacks. Um, it wasn't until I saw Aragorn moving more towards the other side of the board that I thought, right, OK, I don't really have a chance because all my guys are now tied up against your heroes. So um, it basically became a war of attrition and a little getting a bit of pride more than anything else to try yeah. to get rid of the boys that you'd sent round to fool me at the it beginning was, of the match and I think it was like the last turn or the penultimate turn you finally cleared out these scenery pieces I didn't even want yeah. uh, they, they were just really shielding and really holding on to that you managed to get the scenery that you were after I uh, did some uh, sneaky heroic combats and sent some guys over to the other end but you broke me in the end and uh, the first turn that I'd broken, the Siege Veteran rolls a double one on his courage. And I thought, oh, well, that's it. I've lost. Because I didn't know who you were trying to protect. I thought you were trying to protect one guy. and then, But it ended up being a very, very narrow win, 9-7 to me, purely because I'd wounded your hero yeah. uh, uh, that you were trying to protect. So that two-point difference all came down to that. So it was an incredibly tense game. I mean, we were both sweating buckets afterwards. Yeah. You have to go out for <laughs> smoke. I had to go and get some drink and things like that. Uh, but it was a really... A really interesting game that's what I love most about Fog of War it has so many little variables that make it just so interesting absolutely yeah it, it was I don't think I've concentrated so hard in, in a game for a very very long time it was it was very tense it was really good I mean with the th loss of Bolg and Yasneg in a single turn I thought didn't really have too much chances but to be fair the ogre came into its own and the hunters fought pretty hard so yeah. it was it was just a massive war of attrition at the end of it to see who could kind of last it out see absolutely. who got broken absolutely and you did break me and I didn't break you purely because I thought well I have to shield because mm. otherwise these two hunter rock attacks they're going to just win every combat and I, I lost so I and it, I think that probably made the difference in terms of slowing stuff down and allowing me to get to the objectives in time but either way it was a, a fantastic game Connor and thank you very much for being the fourth Scotsman for, <laughs> to play in the whole tournament uh, it's been a pleasure mate thank you very much cheers so after redoing everything, uh, re just having a look at the maths afterwards, it turns out you won. I know, believe it or not. I think we're 
bit too much of an intense match to actually be able to maths properly afterwards. Yeah, yeah the, I think literally the fog of war got uh, certainly into my head and um, I, the, wisely you had a look just at the uh, points at the end but it turned out I, I must have added an extra three somewhere because I didn't get the uh, I, I didn't get I, I think I tallied up that I'd, I'd not I'd not broken when I had broken or or something like that either way it was it the analysis of the match is st- still stands. It was still a really interesting and intense game, uh, but well done for winning, Connor. Thank you very Thanks. much. So, final game of the tournament was a game of recon, um, and I get to use my mummock one last time. Uh, so, despite it being a half and a half chance, I've used six the mummock six times and the good army once. Uh, and Dave, you were my opponent. Just give us a, a run over of what your list is, and uh, it's quite quite runny, quite fast. Uh, yeah, it's the Rivendell Knights. So it's um, Elrond leading a warband of six. They've got one banner in there. Uh, a captain leading a warband of five, and Saruman the White. So that's a green ally as well. Right, and he's on a horse, of course, as well. So this is an interesting one. Oh, I think I just heard... Um, sorry, uh, so interrupted slightly. Um, so, yeah, so I, it's, I've seen variations of this list, the Rivendell Knights list. The Saruman edition is, is something I haven't seen before. What, what, what sparked the, uh, the Saruman inclusion, basically? Essentially, I think he's the best of the wizards, if I'm honest. Um, I know people like Radagast in the new edition. I know people like Gandalf for the theme, I suppose, but um, I quite like using Saruman. It's not a wizard I've used before. I've used the other two before, but I've not used this one. It was just it was trying something new as much as anything else. And mm-hmm. Sort of in the old edition, it was the in thing to put Saruman the white in, and I kind of wanted to see how it worked in the newer games as well. And to be fair, Saruman proved incredibly frustrating for me uh, throughout the game, um, immobilising the Mummock about three or four times, and used some cheeky sorceress blasts early on, knocking off some horses, uh, Suladan and people off their horses. And the Nature's Wrath, of course, Elrond knocking a load of people over. Is, was, was that the kind of strategy you employ, thinking, right, I need to kill all the guys on, the, on foot, and then maybe I'll deal with the Mummock afterwards? Is that pretty much what you're going for? It's the only way I think really that I could have done anything would have been as you say, killing all the guys who are off the mummock and then sort of trying to chip away at it. Um, I'm not sure I went about it the right way with a mummock, but I did manage to kill all the guys on the floor in the end. And yeah, we just sort of, we met in the middle, we had a bit of a melee, and in the end, the mummock came out on top. Yeah, I, I, it was a very close thing, though. I mean, I, I ended up with eight wounds, and there were three or four combats where I was uh, immobilized, so I didn't get to strike or do anything. Uh, you, you managed to immobilize me twice when I'd called heroic moves as well. So it was really close. There was, a, there was a, definitely a moment there that I, I thought it was you were guaranteed to win. It was just me kind of clinging on and, and hoping that I would, I would win. Was, it, was there anything that you think that you could have done differently? Because... As uh, uh, it ended up being a 12-0 win to me just because of the amount of uh, the mummock went off the table with its howder full um, is there anything you think you could have done differently to actually change that? It's always that thing with the mummock I'm sort of wondering do you sh- stand back and try and shoot the guys on top it's a bit difficult with the in the ways mm. I opted to try and pitch in and see what I could do there so I guess if we had another chance to do it again I'd probably try that and see if it worked um, I'm not convinced it would mm. I think that's it because I think you maybe got one or two shots yeah. Into the into the howdah, but they went onto the war leader. I have a feeling that if you'd focus your fire on the war leader um, early on, you and you just stayed back a bit more and shot the war leader out, you'd have, you'd yeah, have probably yeah. taken maybe a couple more turns, but you'd have killed it, and you'd have got the VPs for that straight away. And then I'd have been left with a special rule. I'd lose out the special rules and the courage and all that sort of stuff. So I have a feeling if you'd killed the war leader, the mummock would be a lot less scary for you to uh, tackle. But. That's, that's good. You go that way. It's good to get the other perspective as well sometimes to have a chance really to chat. But. Yeah. I, was there anything you think I'd, I could have done? Because I sent the my 
all of my cavalry and the, the two Harad warriors down one side in the hope of getting off the board before your Rivendell knights turned up, but they just smashed me in the end. Is there anything that you think maybe I should have stayed around the Mummock, or what do you think? Um, no, it's probably the right way to do it. I think sort of my captain slept in for three turns, mm. which wound up working in my advantage because then I could deploy him to block your cavalry off. Um, otherwise, essentially, you're putting your cavalry around the Mummock. I'm going to kill them in the fight, we think, and most times sort of where it would go. Um, so no, probably the right way to play it from your point of view, um, and it just worked out that way. Yeah, and I think just that, you know there was a little bit of a, a, a look in the sense that there were a couple of turns where you you could maybe have done more wounds on the mimic but didn't, and you know. That, but I guess that's just the nature of it. But eight eight wounds on a mimic is is pretty damn good going, and you know although I trampled Elrond in the end, it was uh, it was a it was a lot closer than the scoreboard tells. I think it, it really could have gone either way at one point. So thanks very much to the game, Dave. No, that's right. Thank you. Very Cheers. Much. Cheers, mate. Thank you. As is customary, I'll talk to the winner of the battle for unnumbered tears in just a moment. But first, let's have a bit of a chat about the tournament itself with Father Ed. Mr. Edward Ball, the tournament organiser, a little bit about the 750 points and, of course, the good versus evil setup this tournament has. Okay, so tournament organiser Edward Ball returns to Entmoot uh, after the, your victory at the uh, the uh, Stockport Desolation the, the, the of Stockport. The UK System Open uh, Desolation of Spot, Stockport 2019. Yeah, yes, yes. That, that one. Yeah, yes, well yes. done, Ed. Well done, Ed. Well, uh, so but this time you're in a, a tournament organiser's capacity. So uh, I just wanted to ask the main question really is the the format of the tournament being good versus evil, uh, and uh, 750 points. 750 so points. So just yes. g- just take us through the the. the the points values and why you've gone with uh, a good versus evil for this tournament so 750 points is a good middle ground I I feel Um, you get enough to get sort of some of the big stuff but not all of the big stuff but it's not so small as that you can't take any big stuff Um, whether that's the big heroes Boromir Aragorn King or whatever Mummock War Leaders Mummock War Leaders I mean Mummocks Balrogs Saurons you obviously don't get these at five or six hundred points um and then uh, good versus evil because that's the way it's meant to be. Um, anyone who's as long in the tooth in the game as I am knows that for about the first 10 years, Games Workshop, when they ran their grand tournaments, were all bring two armies, good versus evil. Um, and then they switched it around for the even numbered games. Um, we've done seven games this weekend. I tend to have a dislike for six round events. You can't necessarily get a one true winner after six, depending on the size of the the sort of attendance pool. With seven, you can get that in almost all instances. Mm. So the seventh was kind of an extra throw in a give me, and uh, sort of that little extra value for the attendees. Um, Mm. So, yeah, and then because it was an odd-numbered one, as opposed to an even-numbered eight-round event, as the Grand Tournaments of old used to be, uh, it was basically every round needs to be random right. uh, to force the good versus evil. Which worked out oddly for me because I had the unusual situation where I got six games with my war leader uh, and only one with my good army, which I spent Friday night painting furiously. So thanks for that, Ed. Well, I mean, did you have a pleasure? You've now got a new army painted. I did. I enjoyed and, it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but you it, got to use it. You got to play with it. I did. I did. And... The good versus evil experience is different to the you know the the one where you can play evil versus evil or this or whatever. Um, 
as I understand it, although I don't know if this is 100% true, most of the game is designed with a view for good versus evil, certainly for the scenario play. Um, so building up from that, there's uh, a latent sort of intricacy to want to tend toward good versus evil. Shades are terrible. Shades are even worse if you're an evil player who's got nothing to deal with them. The good side have got a few banishments and a few sort of transfixes all over the place. So you can deal with them yeah. a little easier. It's Although true. Shades fully are an absolute plague on the entire game and need to be killed and done away with. We see Dave Nolan <laughs> watching from the sidelines who plays with the Shades. <laughs> Shaking his head. Shades are terrible. No, he hates them as well. <laughs> Never takes them. But uh, just And also, um, notice the tables. Now, um, that you've got, I don't know how many attendees are, there are in full. Just uh, So we had 43 uh, people turn up in total, uh, although due to a couple of drops we ended up finishing day two with 41, which is really good for the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Um, we've always kind of struggled at the high 20s, low 30s, so uh, it's a significant increase on all previous years, which is good, which is good for us, but also good for, for the, the hobby. And that that's one of the t- tough things about that usually is it means, oh gosh, we haven't got enough terrain for the tables, but you've had an absolute plethora of terrain. Most of the boards have been filled with glorious looking terrain. Looking over here at table number three where Jay Clare playing uh, in a tight match at the top of the uh, tournament. Oh, I think uh, it, there's, there's Rohan, uh, Rohan t- things like that. Tight the one that we've just, uh, we just been disassembling is a lovely Angmari themed one. Uh, sort of a, a type, half of Weathertop chopped up over there. There's, there's lots, of, lots of terrain, which is a, a success, but uh, I found that difficult with my mum at Gore Leader at times. But are you a fan of terrain? Is I guess the point of my long ramble. Yes. Uh, I, I, I great think... answer. Okay, great. My, about a twenty-minute question leads to um, a yes. <laughs> we we are obviously playing a game which is designed around scenarios and meant to replicate iconic areas of Middle Earth that we all know and love. Um, there's a lot of generic wargaming terrain out there, and mm. if you just have like, oh, here's a field with some hills, a, a wood, and a ruin. Um, you know, sparsely over a 4x4 four four or 6x4 or whatever it might be. It doesn't lead to sort of a huge amount of imagination, whereas um, what we've been able to do is kind of replicate a good number of areas, but also just make the boards look that little bit more interesting rather than a wood with another wood, with, with an, oh, wait, another wood and a hill. Yeah. Um, so there's certainly something to be said for that. And, and I think what, what, what you've done particularly well, there's lots of channels developed. So you've got, we've got most boards have at least got a few hedges or fence that mean that you've got it channels combats in different ways. So it, you can't just march your guys across, or you can't just send a mummock and trample through things. It has, you have to go around in unusual paths, which I love about that. It, it's one thing that uh, obviously we benefit from at the Sanctuary Gaming Centre in, in Sutton in Ashfield is we get to use their terrain pool. They have loads and loads and loads of hedges and fences and walls. Yeah. Um, it's one of the more sort of one of the pieces of terrain that's easier to genericize from other systems. Yeah. Um, you don't get much walls and such in 40k terrain, uh, but you do across other systems, bolt action and such like. Uh, they're generic. They're good. They also add a, an element of that tactical nuance that you would hope to get from a tournament. So by having lots of channels and filters and not just an open expanse. Yeah. You're able to um, 
make the players think a little bit, which, which is, is sometimes a good thing. Which is definitely always a good thing. Well, Ed, thanks very much for organising the tournament. It's been fantastic. really enjoyed it. And uh, good luck for the next tournament you're involved in. I appreciate that, Harry. Yeah. I think that's going to be Articon, and we're going, going to go and win it. Yes, maybe. Ah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Right. I just want to say thank you all for coming. Um, this year has been the most, uh, biggest, most successful Battle of London to Tears, which is obviously really fantastic. So as is tradition for the Entmoot podcast, I speak to the winner of the tournament uh, here at uh, Sanctuary Gaming, the Battle for Unnumbered Tears. The winner is Jakob Krochmal, and well done, Jakob, first of all, for winning. How do you feel? Well, uh... I came here to win, and I won, so I feel quite good. Yeah, uh, and, and I think I'd feel good even if I didn't. So yeah, a good day, and you come away with some nice prizes—a wetter workshop, Moria Goblin model, and some some lovely things like that. But um, and also, you've you've probably travelled the furthest to get here out of anyone in the tournament. You've come all the way from Poland. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not only travelling to play games, but also to meet people uh, I know already. So yeah. that's kind of and. Well, uh, cost of flight from Poland is probably uh, is probably cheaper than a train from London. So, well, yeah, well, worth it. And, and so, let, let's get into into the nitty gritty then. So, uh, it's a two armyless tournament, a good versus evil, seven hundred and fifty points. Just just give us an idea of a, a general outline of the, the first, the good army. What what good army have you brought? So, my good army is an army I actually plan to use an Articon, and it's centered around big heroes, which are LSR, who's my leader, uh, Boromir of Gondor, because I'm a big fan of Boromir and want to just tuck him in every list I take, hmm. Grand of Lady of Light, and Arwen with some elves and men. It's 25 models only, but uh, it works. And that's a yellow alliance? That's a yellow alliance, because Boromir, uh, one Boromir is red and one Boromir is yellow. That makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, and then the uh, evil list? So my evil list, my evil list's name is a- a- Arachnophobia. <laughs> I probably spelled it wrong, but whatever. Uh, so it's centered around an idea that uh, although big spiders are good, enraged big spiders are even better. And enraging Shelob and uh, Spider Queen is the best. So as you might already tell, it includes Spider Queen, Shelob, Druzak, and then Shadow Lord and Horse, Guritz. Uh, but Swarm and some Vecnominorians backed up by Mren Orcs with Spears and Shields. And how many models is that list? That list is 32 models, which I find alright if you can, if you have two monsters that can kill stuff. Yeah, it sounds like an. Un- I, th- I believe that's a red alliance as well. Is that right? No, it's yellow. Oh, that's yellow as well. Okay, so, so the idea, both of these are, of course, yellow, so. Uh, Although there's there's an element of theme in the sense that the, the you've got spiders and beasts and orcs and nasty things, and in the other list you've got good stuff. But both both yellow alliance. So what, how do you rate the army bonuses? Because you seem to in the tournament you've been to recently um, that I've seen you at, you, you seem to kind of go, well, I don't like army bonuses. What do you think of army bonuses? It depends. There are some army bonuses you just can't uh, live without, like Rohan plus one strength charging if you take a full Rohan army you don't ally in something small uh, just to break this alliance uh, or there are some uh, bonuses that uh, you have to take like hand because otherwise you won't be able to take full cavalry which you want and there are some alliances that well do nothing really or do very little compared to what you can get by um, having m- m- models from different army lists so like plus one courage or elven one is 
I, I didn't have any boat on my elf, so the army bonus would just do nothing. You, you seem quite keen on doing yellows in particular, though. Yes, because I, I'm thinking about a bit like a previous edition. I'm taking the good stuff from different lists, and well, it seems to work. But I also played Green Alliances a few times. Mm-hmm. And so, just walk me through in, in terms of the uh, let's start with the good lists and what sort of strategies are you using? I guess um, with two massive heroes like Boromir and um, and Aragorn, it, it's going to be centering pretty much on those two doing most of the work, or is and, and Galadriel maybe uh, putting up blinding light and immobilizing people at choice moments? So is that is that the general idea? It's not just Galadriel, Harry. Uh, it's the Lady of Light, so she has uh, Fortify Spirit uh, and Banishment. So her first thing she does is she fortifies these two big heroes. And uh, then, like, yes, uh, she protects against magic, protects against shooting. And I use uh, Aragorn's Banner, uh, high fight value, and big heroes to kill things. And if I'm... If I get rid of uh, enemy heroes nearby, then I can use Arwen and uh, knock down a lot of models with uh, Wrath of Bruinen. Yeah, and and the, the guess the the same sort of true as uh, of the evil list is that it's focused almost on the, uh, the the two big spiders and then the Shadow Lord kind of putting up a pole of darkness to to stop stop anyone shooting you before you die uh, before you get over there. Yes, Shadow Lord. Shadow Lord is a good caster as well, so even if I don't get against shooting, he's alright. He has all the spells that I need, and with Compel and two big spiders and the Bat Swarm, you can do wonders, especially if you lose priority. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's my list is it's solid, it's, string, it's defense 6, fight 4, it causes terror, so if someone's not resistant to this, uh, you might have problems. Mm. And he has two spiders, one of them kills, one of them survives, and either of them can be enraged, which uh, it's hard to protect against. Uh, absolutely. And, and in terms of the games that you played, um, obviously they the, the were good versus evil, but um, was there a particularly difficult matchup that you, that you really struggled in, or were they all, did they all go pretty much according to plan? So there were some matchups that were easy, uh, but some of them were difficult. I think the most difficult game was actually the first game against Jasmine. Mm. Uh, where uh, it was like in the knife, at knife's edge. Oh, I don't know if there's such a mm. phrase in English, but... Yeah. Uh, so it could have it gone was, either way, basically. It could have gone either way. Uh, it was tough. And, uh, of course, Jay Claire and Will Champion are both members of Team England who battered Polish Team 1 uh, <laughs> at this year's EGC. Luckily, luckily, I wasn't part of Team Poland, so now I... Now I've beaten them, so that's <laughs> kind of revenge. But those were tough games. Yeah, I mean, I guess when when you win your first game, quite decisively, for what I understand um, from Jasmine, that you, you're sailing pretty much to the top tables, and you've got you've got a lot of um, a lot of tough comp- uh, opponents to play. I mean, the first game I didn't win that much. It was like six three or five three or something like this. So okay. um, it wasn't that hard until. Some point, of course, it's not like the good players will always beat, beat an opponent twelve nil. Mm. Uh, but uh, it it was getting harder. Yeah. Well, Jakob, well done. Um, I, I guess the next time you'll be back, you'll still be coming back in the UK, probably for Ardacon. Is that right? Yes, that's right. I'm coming back for Ardacon, and later I'm planning to get back more permanently to the UK. So hopefully, I'll get more uh, tournaments in GBHL. Fantastic. Well, Jakob, uh, well done again, and thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. Thank you. That's great.
And that is, of course, it for Entmoot episode five. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast this time and thanks for subscribing on iTunes or on SoundCloud or just following me on Facebook and downloading the links and all that sort of stuff. I really do appreciate all the support. Uh, Do keep getting in touch, especially about the riddle in the dark, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. And do feel free to send in other emails about anything else, whether you've got comments on strategies or ideas or maybe requests for something you'd like me to do that I don't already do or that may be a different format or a special episode or anything like that, please do get in touch, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Right now, I honestly don't know what the next tournament I'm going to is. I'm definitely going to Articon in August, but that's a long way off. And I have a feeling I'm going to be doing some gaming in the meantime. I'm not sure exactly what form that will take, whether it will be tournaments or something different. But I'll certainly keep you uh, teased on that front. But hopefully we'll have another podcast out very soon. And of course, keep an eye on the Facebook page. Just search for Entmoot Podcast on Facebook. Uh, and uh, do keep an eye out for any new content there. But uh, I'm afraid, although we've had a run of a few podcasts very quickly, uh, it won't be an, won't be well, it won't be too long. But it certainly won't be very quickly for the next podcast to come out. So do keep an eye out. Uh, but thank you very much for listening to this episode and the previous episodes as well. And that is about it. So thank you very much for listening. Until next time. Boo-ra-rum.